0: Our scripture today comes from the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. During the reign of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron. They were both righteous before God, blameless in their observances of all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to become pregnant and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving as a priest before God because his priestly division was on duty. Following the customs of priestly service, he was chosen by lottery to go into the Lord's sanctuary and burn incense. All the people who gathered to worship were praying outside during this hour of incense offering. An angel from the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw the angel, he was startled and overcome with fear. The angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will give birth to your son, and you must name him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many people will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the Lord's eyes. He must not drink wine and liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will bring many Israelites back to the Lord their God. He will go forth before the Lord, equipped with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will turn the hearts of fathers back to their children, and he will turn the disobedient to righteous patterns of thinking. He will make a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure of this? My wife and I are very old. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in God's presence. I was sent to speak to you and to bring this good news to you. What I have spoken will come true at the proper time. But because you didn't believe, you will remain silent, unable to speak until the day that these things happen. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they wondered why he was in the sanctuary for such a long time. When he came out, he was unable to speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he gestured to them and couldn't speak. When he completed the days of his priestly service, he returned home. Afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. She kept this to herself for five months, saying, "'This is the Lord's doing. "'He has shown favor to me by removing my disgrace "'among other people.'" When the time came for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a boy. Her neighbors and relatives celebrated with her because they had heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. On the eighth day, it came time to circumcise the child. They wanted to name him Zechariah because that was his father's name. But his mother replied, no, his name will be John. They said to her, none of your relatives have that name. Then they began gesturing to his father to see what he wanted to call them. After asking for a tablet, he surprised everybody by writing, his name is John. At that moment, Zechariah was able to speak and he began praising God. All their neighbors were filled with awe, and everyone thought that throughout the Judean highlands talked about what had happened. All who heard about it considered it carefully. They said, what then will this child be? Indeed, the Lord's power was with him. John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And now let's sing Zechariah's prophecy together. It's number 223 in our hymnal, Blessed be the God of Israel. Mm Let's be the Lord. The child grew up, becoming strong in character. He was in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God.
1: Today, I want to tell the story of a child prophet. A child prophet in our own broader Seattle Mennonite community. I want to tell the story of this child prophet in part because of the child prophet that is in our text. And the child prophet whose story I'm gonna tell this morning, her name is Korah. But before I tell you the story of Korah, the child prophet, let's talk about John the Baptist, the child prophet. And perhaps before him, even though the order's a little bit swapped, let's talk a little bit about Jesus. Jesus, as I have often said, is one who was sung a revolutionary song as a baby, right? We do that every year. We'll sing tonight in our lessons and carols my favorite, the Canticle of the Turning, my favorite version of Mary's revolutionary song. And we've often thought together about how that formed Jesus, how that shaped him into the adult leader that he became by hearing those words of God overturning, flipping the power structures. He heard those words from his own mother singing and from his own people. And then there's that one fabulous story of 12-year-old Jesus at the temple, and then bam, he's 30. (laughs) Now, I haven't parented. Maybe some of you had that experience where it felt like a 12-year-old was bam, 30. Um, But I'm guessing there were a lot of nights along the way where it felt interminably long (laughs) to get all the way to 30. And then there was, after, bam, 30, a three-year explosion of Jesus's ministry, right? It all happened in three years until he was executed by the state. But that Jesus at 30 didn't emerge from nothing and didn't emerge from one singular 12-year-old experience followed by one singular song sung to him as a child by his mother, right? There were there were 30 full years, and we get almost no glimpse, almost no glimpse into Jesus's childhood. Jesus's emergence and development, etc. In fact, our gospel this year is Mark, and we don't even get a birth story in Mark. We get bam thirty right out of the gates in Mark's gospel, so we get almost no glimpse into that. And for John the Baptist, who came as the forerunner to Jesus, whose birth we celebrate today with the reading from Scripture, we get even less. But because of Korah, Korah, the contemporary child prophet, I notice this in Zechariah's song. Now, we sang Zechariah's song today. Um, and that's lovely, but I noticed when I went back and looked at the lyrics that um, the one thing that doesn't match in the hymn versus what we have in the text is that there's a piece of Zechariah's song in Luke that is addressed directly to John the Baptist. So because of Korah, I paid attention to Zechariah singing, you, child. So now he's speaking directly to the child. You, child, shall be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way. You will tell God's people how to be saved through the forgiveness of their sins. You, child. It's a direct address to the child prophet who is being formed already by the song of his father. Right, He hasn't even been born yet, and he's already being formed as a prophet of the Most High, going before the Lord to prepare the way. You, child, will be a prophet. You are a prophet. You are a prophet of the Most High. You are a prophet of the Most High who is going before God's own. You are a prophet of the Most High going before God's own to prepare the way. Wow. Can you imagine being told that as a kid over and over and over again? So, Cora, the child prophet. First, I'm going to tell you my perspective of this story. <clears throat> In my perspective of this story, I was part of, with many of you, the Mennonite Day of Action on Tuesday. We were gathered at the Federal Building in prayer and in song and hearing speaking and a children's story. It was this beautiful intergenerational gathering of all of us. We, of course, had that quilt, that beautiful kid's quilt, heirloom quilt quilt, hand-stitched by a grandmother of the congregation, and it had our red blood-stained footprints on it to represent our complicity in what's happening in Gaza right now, and also our commitment to keep walking in the way of Jesus, to keep walking in the way of Jesus. So we took that quilt, this was the plan the whole time along, took that quilt up to Senator uh, Murray's office and the office was closed, there was a sign that said uh, office temporarily closed um, because of a meeting and in case of an emergency, there was a phone number well those of us who were up there decided 20,000 dead and 90% of Gaza displaced constituted an emergency, so we called. And a staffer came to the door and let us in, and we were able to present the quilt, and she listened intently. We had a Christmas card for Senator Murray that talked about the quilt and asked her to join our call for an immediate and permanent ceasefire. Now, as we turned to leave the office, and remember the door is locked, so it's going to lock behind us. We see four people standing in the hallway and all of a sudden realize they're with us and um, one of the women in the group says these girls felt strongly they wanted to come up and give Senator Murray their own message. And I said, I caught the door. I was like, oh, come right in. And then we called back and uh, it took a while for a staffer to come. We had to knock and yell a little bit, but eventually another staffer came. And now, Adam, I wonder if you're ready, if we can listen in. We have an audio recording.
0: I think we should stop bombing Gaza because it is not peace. It's the opposite of peace and that's not good. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything sure. else you want to add to yeah. Senator Murray? will pass the message on. And uh, she's sending the supplies to kill
0: children. No, yeah.
1: no, In case that was a challenge to hear. Seven-year-old Cora. Child prophet stood right up to that. I mean, I wish you could see her. I think we should stop bombing Gaza because it's not peace. It's the opposite of peace, and that's not good. And then her older sister, Addie, also a child prophet, but an eldest child prophet, so a little less precocious um, and a little more understated, but Addie nonetheless followed her seven-year-old sister's lead and stood up and said, and she's sending supplies to kill children. We want that to stop. Child prophet Cora. My her big sister-child prophet, Addie, accompanied by their mom, Karina, and their grandmother, Marilyn. That's how the story happened from my perspective. But there are always other perspectives to a story. I asked Greg Thiessen's permission to read this. Greg says, They were standing outside and Elaine was there too. saw them standing outside. This is what Greg writes. They were standing outside watching you and Weldon and Michael head through security and the youngest, God bless her Cora. The youngest said she wanted to go in. The mom responded that perhaps they could write a letter to Senator Murray when they got home or even five letters. No, she replied. She wanted to go inside. Perhaps they could call her office, the mom responded. No, she insisted. She needed to go inside. So they went. Greg writes, I'm reminding myself now of Rebecca Solnit's writing about how there are ripple effects from everything we do radiating outward and extending beyond our field of view. We will not see all of the impacts from today's event in action, but in that moment, I felt fortunate to witness something that was clearly a ripple in the water. Child prophet Korah. After Sarah Augustine had invoked the first law, that of the mothers, which I would extend to grandmothers and aunties and sisters and all of us who give birth to holiness in our world, who will do anything to protect their child. And then Sarah invited us all of all genders to name aloud our littles, the ones that we love. And I was so excited I got to say, Emmanuel, Liana, Nathaniel, Dominic, Ezekiel, Layden. My nibblings. <laughs> And of course here there's Adrian. I've got all kinds of little's here, right? But we named them all together and these girls had witnessed that and then and then three generations went inside. I wrote to Greg that little girl, that little Cora, that little child prophet. She knew exactly where she belonged. She knew exactly where she belonged. And at first I thought to myself, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't we think of that? Why didn't we, from the beginning, include children in the delegation? Duh! We were sending a children's quilt out of love for the children of Gaza. Why didn't we include children in the delegation from the very beginning? But maybe we all needed to learn that a little child shall lead them. And the child doesn't even need to be invited because the child knows where they belong. This child had somehow, thanks be to God, from those three generations of women, from her, their church, which is Evergreen Mennonite Church, from their extension of family and community, they had learned that they were prophets of the Most High to go before God's own and to prepare the way for good news. They heard that and they learned that and they knew that And so when the pastor messed up and didn't invite them along, (laughs) well, they just found their own way in. (sighs) Maybe I have wondered, because of this child prophet, Korah, maybe I have wondered, this is part of what we are meant to learn from our Christmas story and the telling of this story year after year after year. Maybe it's part of what we are to sort of learn deep in our bones about our faith's proclamation of the incarnation. It's not just that God became human, but specifically God became a baby. And then a toddler. And then a three-nager. And then a seven-year-old child prophet. And then a 12-year-old at the temple, putting the fear of God in his parents' hearts, let me tell you. A tween, and then a teen, and then a gangly young adult because he didn't bam, become 30. And though we don't have records of all those years, my goodness, God came as a tween (laughs) of all things of all those developmental stages. And so the Advent invitation to keep watch, keep awake and keep watch, maybe that's to watch all those developmental stages because there are some child prophets out there that have heard that they are indeed prophets of the Most High God who are going before, going in front of God's own to prepare the way for the rest of us. Because of our God's deep compassion, Zechariah's song concludes, the dawn from heaven, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those of us who walk in the shadows, and the shadow of death specifically, and to guide us on the paths of peace and justice. Thanks be to God for the child prophets who indeed guide us on paths of peace and justice. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together 243, infant holy, infant lowly. Some of you know this is one of my favorites. I partly love it because of the alto line, which remarkably is not boring. uh so I think that's what's drawn me into love of this one and it's only like two lovely verses it doesn't go on and on and on um and because of where Korah the child prophet took me this year I'm thinking of that infant holy infant lowly it's not incidental that God came to us as an infant may we keep watch and pay attention let's sing together